I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Real niggas getting money from the fucking stars. All right, welcome to... Another episode, or maybe really we should just call it the first episode of Wayward Weekly. I am Bobby Burns, and uh, with me is Paul Sexton. How's it going, Paul? Well, everybody. It is going well, sir. Good to be back with you after four years. A four-year hiatus of a podcast that barely even took off. Uh, I just don't know how our listeners, I mean, you know, they've been on, we've been on hiatus for so long. I just, they're going to be excited for us to be back. All five of them. Hey, it's a fresh start. Five. <laughs> it's a fresh start. New beginnings. Uh, I can count at least three people who listened to it and uh, gave us, gave us some good feedback. So I'm glad we've got the time and uh, the motivation to get this started. So we are currently... <clears throat> doing this through Google and you were saying there are some problems with Zoom today? Yeah, well, I mean, I was uh, hoping to actually sign up for that platform because I've heard so much stuff about it. I mean, you told me that that like you had uh, 700 people in your group chat and I've heard that it can handle up to a thousand individuals at one time. So I was just curious about it because they have GoToMeeting, they have Skype, they have all of those things. And I was just wondering like, how did this company differentiate itself so quickly? So I was excited to download it, but then I heard that uh, Elon Musk and a few other business leaders basically said, you know, we're gonna ban this program because they found they could be easily hacked. So for Windows, for example, it sounds like they could literally take over your entire computer. Yeah. And and yeah, and I don't have the cash right now to just throw down for a brand new computer because someone's taking it over. But, Wait, uh, so how can they take over your computer? What does that mean? Well, I just read uh, I read a couple articles on it. It sounds like that there's a different variation between Macs and uh, Windows, but it sounds like for Windows, they can literally just take over everything all the way down to the root system. So, you know, basically the bottom all the way up to the top, they can take it all over. And they were saying that, uh, you know, teachers in the middle of teaching uh, their students while we're on this COVID quarantine, apparently people were hacking in and releasing, you know, uh, swastikas on the screen, <laughs> racial slurs. They were, I guess, porn would pop up on the computer. And, it, it, and the thing is, is like, when you're in that moment, like, how do you tell an entire class, like, I swear it's not mine? Like, how do you say that? Like, you, it'd be a godsend for all of a sudden for there to be like a news article that came out saying this is happening to everyone, which is basically what's happening. Because, I mean, you think about it, like even in my classes, everyone has a laptop open. Sure. Imagine if all of a sudden like porn just popped up on my computer and I just tell everyone like, no, 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 I, I don't. Like, it's not on my computer. It's not mine. It's not mine. Everyone's like, sure, Paul, sure. You know, you're trying to shut it off and you just hear screaming like, I've thought about that before. They pull up something from your history that you've seen. So you're like sort of confused because you know, I was looking at that this morning. What the fuck? (laughs) But I mean, yeah, just be like, uh, just devastation, you know, not to say that that's not real damage because that definitely is, but have like, have they been hacking people's bank accounts or was it just like type prank type of stuff? I haven't heard that much. It sounds like it was mostly uh, pranks, but it sounds like there was uh, a former hacker that used to work for the NSA. And I guess he found easy ways to get in there where basically you could um, launch the app with some sort of malware that's inserted with it. And it basically just takes over your entire computer. So they're basically just saying, if you want to be safe, just don't download it right now. But I mean, that company, I had never heard about zoom. And then all of a sudden when the coronavirus thing takes off, it's all over the place. I mean, talk yeah. about a company growing extremely quickly. So, well, apparently it was founded in 2011 and, um, no way. Really? Yeah. And it says services started in 2013, early in 2013, January. And, um, so people have been using it for seven years, but it really took off. Uh, I think just because of this whole Corona, uh, virus disease, but I wonder what it is specifically about this, that all of a sudden set it apart or, or made it go up if it was just the amount of people it's able to um, accommodate on the single platform um, 
or what? Because yeah, so I've been using it for uh, continuing education uh, units uh, for, I'd, I'd say schooling. I'm done with school, but uh, in my profession, we have to do um, the equivalent of uh, 18 hours per year of continuing education for 36 every two years that we end up submitting to our board. Um, <clears throat> And so, so everyone's logging in because we're getting these uh, cheap CEUs, continuing education units. And uh, that was really the first I had heard of it was about a week ago. And then I used it immediately after like three days later in a work meeting and then um, started hearing about everybody's kids using it for school and this and that. So it's interesting that uh, such a a market that you'd think already has a monopoly over it from Skype, from um, we're on Google Hangouts right now. Discord is like a gaming video chat. Um, There's just so many companies that offer this type of service to all of a sudden go from zero to hero uh, in just a few months is, I don't know, bizarre. Yeah. No, it's absolutely crazy because I'd never heard of them. But I mean, as it is anymore, though, I don't typically keep up with the latest technology, maybe like I should. But, you know, I kind of hear about it from everyone afterwards. I mean, do you still keep up with all that stuff? Are you still looking for like the latest trends or? I mean, it's hard for me to say I'd like to say yes, but I don't think that I'm doing like much investigation as I'd say other people do. I, I definitely read. I look. That's what comes up in my news aggregates and feeds. Are things related to, you know, society and technology? But um, I guess I'm not specifically every day sitting down and looking for that stuff. I'm just getting what's fed to me through uh, whatever news news aggregates are pooling my data, and uh, just so happen to be on my phone or on my computer. So if they happen to give you like a, an article that you haven't read. They'll, uh, that's basically the way that it'll inform you. Cause I mean, yeah, I, I, I get it with like the Google news feeds. Like you basically see what you've clicked on before sort of thing, which is why I try to, uh, I try to look at as many news sources as I can so that I'm just not getting conservative media. I'm not just getting liberal media. I'm getting it all. Do you actually so, go to like news websites specifically to, um, seek out new information? No, actually, I don't. Maybe I should, because uh, maybe I'm missing something. Just relying on the uh, the Google aggregate, but um, no, very very rarely will I actually go to a news site unless I'm looking for something specifically. But typically, I just look up in my uh, my aggregate, uh, my news feed, and then for any given story, like if it's a contentious story, what I'll do is I'll look at you know. New York Times, Huffington Post, Los Angeles Times, Washington Post. And then I'll balance that with something like a Fox News or a, the Blaze, Breitbart. Like, you know, that was something I didn't do in the past, but everyone is trying to feed you an answer and trying to tell you how to think. So the way that I look at it is kind of like when I was trying to change around my health, I just take, if, if they're all saying the same exact thing, then I take that as it's probably a fact. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, because they're all, yeah, that's, I would say a scientific approach, right? If, uh, if yeah. everybody's on the same page, if there's no disagreement in it, uh, then, you know, no one's really able to disprove that must be at least somewhat factual information. Exactly. And I mean, it takes a, a little bit more time and everything, but it just seems like uh, with journalism and everything now, and I think it's always kind of been that way. I mean, there's always been a bias because it's impossible to not have bias. We're human beings. You know, it, it's, you know, they talk about like journalistic integrity, even legal integrity and all that. Integrity is just based upon the individual, you know? Yeah. Um, and every individual is going to be biased in some way. So it's just up to the reader to be able to kind of discern, to make sense of all of that. And then to kind of put it together in a way that makes pragmatic sense without, you know, incorporating unnecessary bias. And it, it's tough. Like, it's really hard to make sense of stuff sometimes because there's a lot of information. Well, not only that, like, you have to have a need to want to have bias-free information. I mean, a lot of times, like, we're not happy about receiving news that is contrary to the types of things that we believe. Um, I don't think a lot of people have an incentive to really want to find information that tells them that they're wrong, you know, like think yeah. about it. Why, 
what incentive would most people have to find out information that's actually true as opposed to what they believe? And you, you, your immediate answer would be like, because it's, because it's true, it's going to help you navigate the world. But a lot of the times, the things that we're taking in, the information that we're reading and that we're learning about really isn't that pertinent to our lives and really doesn't affect us on a day-to-day operation. Um, like the presidency? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what you were just talking about, like, I was thinking, I'm like, I guess lately I've taken more of a backseat approach where I'm like, you mm-hmm. know, I remember uh, maybe 10 years ago reading Walden from Henry David Thoreau, and he was talking about how he back in, you know, this is a book written by the uh, philosopher Henry David Thoreau back in the 1850s, 1850s, almost 200 years ago. And he talks about things uh, like, you know, uh, how people are in the 1850s trying to keep up with yearly fashions and buying new clothes as opposed to learning a trade like stitching and sewing yeah. and just fixing their own clothes and how people are caught up in going into school and paying for classes in this education system when the most valuable information you learn is your just day-to-day interactions with your professors in the hall. I remember something specifically where he's like, you know, who learns more, the person who goes to school and studies uh, blacksmithing for four years or the son of a blacksmith who knows nothing of the technical terms but has been making knives and and horseshoes and stuff like that his whole life? And the answer, I mean, yeah. clearly it's a rhetoric. It's like, you know, clearly the son of the blacksmith knows knows more about it and it, it's he's kind of against that. But um, one of the things you know, kind of how this relates to the news and getting our information and what we're talking about is he says, I I don't read the news. It's just a distraction. If there's something that I need to know that's going on in the world, it will reach me because everyone has been talking about it. And I feel that's sort of the approach that I've taken. Um, But it's also this this interesting thing because the whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic that is uh, currently taking place today is April 1st. Uh, 2020, um, I had heard a little bit about it and didn't think much of it back in February. And, um, I don't, I don't know. I just chopped it up to another SARS or bird flu or something that's not going to affect me here in Southern California in the United States. Yeah. Uh, there was no no reason to think of it as anything more than that at that time. And then I left and went to Costa Rica on February 28th and came back March 8th or 9th um, and still heard a little bit about it, um, but wow. wasn't paying attention to it. And then I... I came straight back to after being gone for a week, I got to catch up with work. So I get back and I'm slammed with emails and, um, you know, I, I teach for a living 40 hours a week. I'm teaching, I'm not teaching, you know, just 30 hours or this or that. So my job is completely consumed with teaching, um, a 40 hour class every other week. And then in between I'm, I'm teaching other small courses here and there, um, and so, uh, you know, people were bringing it up throughout the week and I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I haven't heard much about it on when, you know, this is Wednesday, the, I don't know, March 12th or something like that. I'm like, I'm not worried. And, uh, that night I went grocery shopping. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and the next day I come back, I'm like, I think I've changed my position. I'm a, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, yeah. this is, this is bizarre. Yep. Yeah, like people are you know, um, really going all out. And then the next Monday, uh, they started telling us, you know, you need to work from home. And I'm like, all right, I really started looking at, uh, more into it and actively seeking out news, um, as opposed to just articles that I'm interested in on music or technology, or started actively looking at what's going on in the world. Um, but it all came to me through word of mouth, and this is something that I do need to hear about it. So, I mean, on the one hand, there's Henry David Thoreau saying, like, the news I need to hear about, I'll, I'll get from word of mouth. And I did, but on the other hand, well, I don't know if there's another hand. I felt a little behind, but at the same time, I think this is such an unpredictable thing that, um, you know. But, but, were you, but were you really behind, though? I mean, we live in a news cycle right now where 
it, it's it's like a news alert at every single second. Like everyone is sure. saying the sky is falling. Every yeah. So I mean, it's a hurricane. It's a school shooting. It's it's a next pandemic. It's the next war. There's one thing after another coming in the news. I mean, they're getting tons of ratings on that stuff. You know, clickbait headlines. And so it's really hard sometimes as a society to really figure out like what's serious and what isn't. And I took kind of a backseat to it as well because you know I didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, it seemed like a SARS or a MERS. And then we found out that it's uh, more contagious than SARS and MERS. It's an airborne type of virus. It doesn't have, um, I think, the same outcome or it doesn't have a horrible outcome like an Ebola, which is why I think we're kind of divided as a nation as to how serious we really take this. But in regard to what you were saying about Henry David Thoreau, I'm wondering if it was, I mean, obviously it was a different time back then when he was writing that, but he was living in a world where if he walked outside of his door and he went to his neighbor's house, he could talk to his neighbor about what's going on. His neighbor would tell him. And then he could go uh, to another neighbor's house, a few houses down, let's say, and talk to that neighbor. And that neighbor would say something very similar. Now, it may be distorted because they're playing the telephone game. It's more word of mouth, right? They didn't have text. They may have relied on, you know, obviously letters and stuff like that. But it was informal kind of word of mouth and communication. But nowadays, it's actually different. I can walk outside, which it's no joke. It's right now. Like, I can walk outside. And if I walk to the left, I'm going to talk to someone who has a completely different view of the world because they're watching a completely different set of news sources. And if I go across the street, I'll find someone else who is also living in a, in an, and basically another world where they're following a different, you know, news source yeah. and they're interpreting the world differently <clears throat> than I am, than other neighbors are. So there's no real unity anymore. Like you can literally not live in your community and still feel connected because you have, a community online. And I think that's where things are just so different now. But is that maybe a romanticized uh, point of view of the past? Because we're talking 200 years ago. Do you know that he could go to his neighbor's house and then the next neighbor and they might have two similar positions? Because, I mean, 1850, we're talking just 10 years later, 15 years later, the Civil War. Mm. Um, but again, then that's maybe if you're in Virginia, you go from one neighbor's house to the other and you get differing opinions. Um, yeah. But maybe not it in New be, York. Yeah or maybe not in Tennessee. I don't know. Um, to get back to my initial point, I think uh, what what I really wanted to bring up is, is that um, it's not that important for people to know what's really going on in the world uh, these days. I don't know if anyone has a real motivation to get accurate news. If if truth actually does anything for somebody, right? Having the true side of the information on, you know, the next scandal or the next shooting, um, is that going to change your point of view if you find, you know, um, out what's really going on in the situation? Or um, are you going to continue living your life exactly the same? And if you continue living your life exactly the same, even though you know the truth that's different, then isn't it just more convenient to not find the truth, rather ignore it and find something that fits your point of view? Well, yeah, I mean, well, I think that's what I did for most of my life was just find something that fit my point of view. Like up until the age of 25, everything was just through a conservative lens. So anything that fell outside of the conservative lens, I just pushed away. Because it didn't support my view. But the problem was, though, is that I wasn't gaining any perspective. I wasn't actually learning. And I wasn't trying to understand what the other people that I thought were my enemy were thinking. You know, and not necessarily enemy. They were just my, you know, political opponent. But sure. um, it left me uh, short-sighted, I think, in a lot of ways. And I ended up talking at people rather than um, trying to reason through a conversation or trying just to connect on other levels aside from politics and everything. So um, so if I could ask you then, what is it that the truth has done for you, right? So um, I think... Isolation. What, what was that? Isolation. What do you mean? I don't know. I, I just feel like we live in a world now where like everyone, like I said, is just trying to tell you why you should be mad. Like we're just living well, in a Pavlovian world where people just put up a picture of like a liberal or they put up a picture of a conservative and they tell you like, you're supposed to be mad at this person. And it's like, okay, well why? You know, like we, did you hear about, uh, I think his name is Thomas Massey. He was the only one that voted against the stimulus or uh, the, uh, the coronavirus package. 
Uh, no, I have not heard of him. Thomas Massey, is that what you said? Yeah, and he was he? basically calling. He he was he's a um, a Republican, I believe, um, constitutionalist, and he was calling for all the representatives to actually go to the House to vote, and everyone just lambasted him as being this crazy, awful guy because he was putting people's lives at risk. Which, yeah, yeah, it's it seems like he was, and it, it seems ridiculous, but. I want, but the thing is, though, is I never heard any substance. Like, why would this guy blow up, you know, his position as a representative? Um, and why would he hang himself out to dry like that? But it was so hard to try and find information without the journalists just telling me, like, oh, so and so said they're awful. They are awful. This is why. The, you know, yeah. the doctors say it would have spread. But I want to know substantively why this guy disagreed. Because when we look back on, um, you know, when the, the Senate and the House were approving the war powers for, for Bush, and I think it was uh, SJ Resolution 23, there was a senator that, I think it was just one senator that voted uh, not to go. And she was afraid that the um, constitutional uh, powers that were in the bill were too vague and they were too overbroad and they gave the, the president too much power. She received... I think it was 60,000 plus emails, death threats telling her she's an awful person. (laughs) Yet we look back now and we realize, wow, she was right. Sure. You know, and so Massey, this, this, this Republican that called for this vote, he may be a lunatic. He may be crazy. He may be out there, but, but allow me to make the decision myself. Don't tell me how to think about it. Just present the facts as they are his argument and allow me to make a decision. Well, but we're not allowed to do that anymore. And if you even question it, it's like you're just some type of, you know, jerk yourself and it's I think it's crazy. So so let me go back to my initial question though. My initial question was um <clears throat> let me let me um preclude uh my initial question with kind of some of the information I was talking about. If if people can't do anything with the truth, like if you accessing information that is more accurate depiction of the real world as opposed to having someone else's biases or confirming your own biases doesn't immediately do anything for us, then why are you seeking it? Why Why do you say, well, I was like this for a while, but now I'm not? What has the truth done for you and what can it do for other people? If if there's no immediate like, well, it changes the way that I act on a day-to-day basis instead of, you know, going here, I know I can stay safe by going to this other place instead. Or instead of shopping at Ralph's, I'm going to save $100 by shopping at Albertsons. It doesn't do anything like a, like that for us on this immediate day-to-day basis. So my question initially was, um, you know, you said you were like that. Why is it important for you to find the truth and to get rid of these biases for yourself? What does it do for you? Well, actually, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily finding the truth because I mean, even like, I I think that my views now are right, but then I also thought my views in my early twenties were right. And now I realize they're wrong. So I'm always assuming that there's some way in which I'm thinking, uh, there's gotta be some way in which I'm thinking and reasoning that is still currently wrong. So it's not, necessarily that I've found the truth. It's just that I'm actively seeking the truth and it's allowed me, I think it's made me more humble. I'm not, I don't get as angry and upset. I may still have a visceral reaction inside when I hear something that I think is ridiculous, but I always tone it down because I'm always assuming that I don't know, you know, like I'll give you an example. And this is just a ridiculous one. When I was, uh, I was, um, working at the, the Playboy Mansion and I was working, um, at their new year's party uh-huh. and there's a bunch of celebrities and, and stuff there and i'm serving asparagus of all things at a little buffet line and you know the celebrities are coming through and all of a sudden i see this this individual and i can tell who he is just by the back of him and i'm and i just immediately had this pit in my stomach like oh he's ruining america and it was bill maher mm-hmm. yeah with real real time yep. you know bill maher hbo yeah and he was walking over to meet and greet with hugh hefner uh-huh. He was just there to say hi to Hugh Hefner because that's his friend. He wasn't there to eat or mingle. He was just there to, you know. And I was seething upset. I had seen his show twice. How can I be that upset if I haven't seen his show? Well, it's because Fox News told me to hate him. 
Right. He was a lib. He was a libtard. So I'd have all of this anger and frustration over something I knew nothing about. And so now, you know, I, I, I think it's not necessarily me having the truth. It's just an understanding that I, I don't always know the truth. There are experts out there that, that know more than I do. And sometimes I just have to let things play out. So, you know, the, the seeking of something that is more true, um, while it might not seem like it allows you to navigate your day-to-day operations a little bit differently, you're saying what it does is it almost neutralizes your emotional status so that you don't have so yeah. many ups and downs so that you're not, you, you know, I mean, maybe you don't get as excited and as glad over certain things because you're like, fuck yeah, Trump won. Fuck those motherfucking libertards. <laughs> or you're like, fuck yeah, Bernie Sanders, a yeah. stupid piece of shit bootlickers voted for Trump. Yeah. Like, now we're going to show them what's up. Like, you might not get those highs anymore, but you also don't have those lows or those, you know, such great feelings of frustration when you're on the receiving end of that. I mean, I remember when, gosh, just a few years ago, it was the end of the world because Obama, the Antichrist, was the president again for a second term and oh my god you know um but i mean for some people that was that was the reality and so i think that's a really good fair point you brought up um i think i spent a good uh amount of time in my mid uh 20s not only smoking gratuitous amounts of weed but literally um spending that time while i was high then thinking about specifically what you just said there um and uh a little bit of history. Um, you and I lived together probably when we were 23, I want to say, 24. Oh, yeah. How old were you? <clears throat> God, I, it had to have been because I think it was uh, it was right out of, yeah, so it would have been like 23. Okay, so I must have been 24, 25. And yeah. uh, at the time, we weren't really friends. We didn't hate each other, but we we weren't like, hey, we're best friends, let's move in together. We moved into a house with six people. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, be, because of mutual friends. And I remember uh, one time coming home and um, I had a uh, much more stricter diet than I do now. Uh, at the time, I was vegan and uh, I definitely explored and spent a lot of my 20s exploring extreme points of views. And I probably yeah. still do. I just don't ever view what I'm I'm thinking at the time as extreme. But um, I remember coming home and like some of my food was gone and I was so fucking pissed at one of you guys because it wasn't the first time that I've come home and Jeremy's like, yeah, I got high and ate all your uh, Pop-Tarts. I got you a replacement. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't uh, fucking vegan, whatever, you know, whatever it was that I, I had purchased was vegan and he bought me a non-vegan alternative uh, just not knowing and I'd be so fucking pissed. And one day I came home and like my food was gone and I, I was just, God damn this fucking place and all these people I live with. And I go up to my room and there's my, uh, my girlfriend at the time eating my food who I don't care if she's the one eating it at all. Right. So my, my emotions went immediately from, um, seething and being pissed off because, you know, I have just one more thing to confirm that these people I live with are pieces of shit to being like, oh, never mind. That didn't happen. Uh, and, yeah, a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's funny because it's like, okay, if, if something that small can neutralize that emotion immediately, mm-hmm. then this is really just my emotions, a result of a, a mental status, a, a point of view. And yeah. And that can really throw my whole day off. And if that's the case, and a little bit more background information, I studied um, behavior analysis, um, B.F. Skinner and um, and uh, uh, Ivar, uh, Ivan Pavlov and uh, Ivar Lovas and um, John Watson and uh, Thorndike and all these people who really... Uh, philosophically believed in determinism and scientifically attempted to prove these types of things and and change it. And so at the time I was in a master's program or possibly just finishing it up um, in clinical psychology, but really my emphasis was in behavior analysis. And so I'm thinking, look, if this is just a matter of, of perspective, and I understand that everyone has a reason for why they're doing the things that they do, I should be able to take on this point of view that um, 
there's just a, there's a reason for everything. Nothing should be upsetting me. And I spent a lot of time devoted to thinking about that and to attempting to write that into coherent words. Of course, I was high at the time. Uh, so that really never came to fruition. But uh, um, I really spent a lot of time just thinking about that. So it's interesting that you bring that up as your resting point as, as why we should be seeking that out. Because really that, that at one point in time was a big resting point for me. And I'll completely admit that I've gotten so far away from that, that I don't even think about that anymore. Not that it's not important, but that it's, it's almost like a meditation that you have to practice. It's not just something that you could know. And then uh, that, that it's this ultimate truth and it alleviates everything. Your emotions catch up and get the better of you. And you stop thinking about that and you stop focusing on that and you get pissed off again over someone eating your shit or leaving dirty dishes in the sink when you just fucking washed them all this morning. Um, it is so irritating, but there's a reason why they got the left there, a reason why somebody ate something. And maybe it's they're justifying it because you borrowed something or you left some dishes or you ate something. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I don't know. It's just interesting that you brought that up because it's something I, I really used to try and think about and practice and figure out. And I've gotten pretty far away from it. And probably also at a time in my life when in the midst of quarantine, I... I um, find myself getting frustrated here and there by, uh, certain little things, um, the people who I live with. And so, um, it's an interesting time for me to bring that up in my, yeah. <laughs> in my life again. Um, I feel like I derailed us just a little bit, but, um, I liked your answer. I thought that was, that was interesting. One thing I do want to go back to though, is you said, um, you first gave an answer. I, 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 I didn't really feel like fit the question. Um, I asked you, like, what's the point in, in truth? And I don't even remember specifically what the answer was now at this point. You well, said, I said isolation. Isolation. There you go. Um, and then you started talking about, um, you know, really journalists not being able to give bias-free information, that they're always giving us something um, yeah. that has their opinion forced into it, like that that specific senator is bad for downplaying. Well, well, well not even... Well, just real quick, not even necessarily opinion. It's just what they think is important. They may be telling you exactly what is going on, but they may be just focusing on one aspect of it because they think it's so important. Like, you know, like with uh, Fox News, when, uh, with Obama, they were covering Benghazi like crazy and the rest of the media wasn't. And, you know, maybe Fox News was covering it in a, um, in still a journalistic way. They're still, you know, telling you the facts on the ground and everything. But they are putting more emphasis on it, whereas the rest of the media has just moved on. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's not necessarily that they're trying to, to spin the narrative. They just put more focus on something. And a lot of it has to do with just, you know, ideology. Like, you know, a Democrat is going to think something is more important and then a Republican is going to think something's more important. But I think in the grand scheme of things, like a lot of times it's just all important. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that, that we look at like the other Americans is like trying to destroy America. And yet they just have a different way of achieving American greatness. Like, yeah, I think that's a really, really important uh, premise is, is that when you're looking at uh, issues within America, it's not that someone's really trying to make this a worse place um, that someone's got an idea like, Oh shit. Uh, I know how we could really fuck this up. We should elect Bernie Sanders. Like then that would fucking just burn this place to the ground. All right. And everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. It's you're, you're completely right. But sometimes people think like that is kind of what's going through the other side's head. So I think it's important not to lose sight of that, that everyone's really just coming at this with like, what they think is the best idea of how to uh, achieve American greatness. Exactly what you said. But the, the question a- is, is it actually a byproduct of thought? That's what I wonder. I, like, I wonder when I was a Republican and when I was a conservative, I don't think I was a Republican or a conservative because I thought that way. I just grew up in that type of environment. Sure. You know, it was it was basically 9-11. 9-11, I, I realized, and we, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, four years ago, so I think everyone had probably forgotten by now. But I remember being in camp. Well, first of all, I woke up early in the morning. I had a calculus that morning, I believe. And 
uh, I turn on the TV and the first thing I see is a burning building. And they're like, tower one, blah, blah, blah. Something's hit it. It's like a plane hit it. And I was not concerned. Yeah. I didn't even wake my parents up. <laughs> and then I got to school. It literally, I just, because, you know, they were still sleeping. It was super yeah. early. And I was just like, okay, I'm uh, going to head to school. I get to school and the whole world's like falling apart. And yeah. then finally, like it hits me like, oh, this is serious, but I still don't know why it's serious. And what the, the catalyst for me wanting to understand was, I can't remember who it was, but people were coming up to me. I think it was, it was groups of people, as I recall, but they were saying like, Paul, have you heard? Paul, have you heard? I'm like, well, yeah, I heard that we're under attack. Well, no, Paul, did you hear where the other planes are going? I'm like, no, I have no idea. They're like, we heard there's planes coming here. I'm like to Vasquez high school with 400 yeah. students in the middle of acting California that no one fucking heard of. Are you kidding me? Well, I didn't say it like that. I mean, I just kind of was like, that sounds dumb and that you're making us sound important and we're not Yeah. like, and that's when I started following the news, but it was every single day and it was only Fox news. Yeah. And they told me how to think. Yeah. Like, um, and and I, I never thought about it. It was just my religion. Well, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, look, you're just a kid, five years old, hearing what your parents say, and then you're just six years old and seven and so forth until you're 10, mm -hmm. 15, 20. At one point, is it expected that someone should have learned to think for themselves? And I, I think that that that's something that has to be taught. Um, and that's something that has to be, uh, educated into somebody. Now, I don't want to get too far off base because I immediately in my gut go, well, that's not true because then someone had to teach it to human beings or this or that. I just think it's easier taught than, than stumbled upon. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, it, it, People can stumble upon it, but it's much more easier for people to be taught to think freely um, than it is for them to stumble upon it. Because oftentimes we are just a product of our environment. I mean, I say this all the time, but if you take 100 people, um, and I try to really be like <laughs> in the middle with this, and I say, if you take 100 people and you raise them to be Buddhist, because that seems to be the most neutral thing that I can think of, um, how many of them will become Buddhist when they're adults? And the answer should be, well, let's let's hear. What's your answer? Oh my god, if they're raised Buddhist. You have a hundred children and you're raising all of them to be Buddhist. Ninety-nine out of hundred. Yeah. Okay. So I would say like 95, right? And everybody likes to go, well, look at that one or look at those five. They didn't. They didn't become Buddhist. They did this thing. They chose to be Christian or Jewish or Muslim or whatever. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so you're ignoring the other 95 or the other 99% and saying everyone can be like these five people. But that doesn't do anything, right? When you... Well yeah. When you say like, well, you know, I've I've heard this argument before, like, well, look at Obama or uh, so and so. They pulled themselves up by them, their bootstraps and got themselves out of a, a situation and, you know, poor African-American culture in America. And it's like, look, I don't know much about Obama, but did he? Did he come from a poor community? Wasn't he growing up in Hawaii? And I, I, I look, I don't know anything about him, but it's like, even yeah. if you take him as the example, it's like. Okay, so everybody can. That does fucking nothing, though, Ted. Like, the reality is still that the 95 other people are not. And the reality it's is... Symbolism, how do you, Bob. What, what was that? It's, it's symbolism. <laughs> yeah, that, no, but that doesn't really, that's do symbolism. anything. That, but symbolism... Either just bumper stickers, but people still put them on the back of their fucking cars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I mean, I, like, I, see, I saw a bumper sticker, like, you know, six months ago, and it said, it, it said you know... Uh, all every all the viewers that all the people that watch Fox News are uh, um, idiots and bullies, and I'm like, you're you you, you sound like an idiot and a bully <laughs> <laughs> on your car, like you're literally being a bully. You're driving by, you know, driving down the highway, basically just insulting people, saying you're an idiot and a bully, and you've never met that person before. It's just symbolism. Maybe but it makes people wait, feel good. Maybe that person was really smart and they watched Fox News and supported Fox News, <laughs> and that's how they get people to buy into the Fox News <laughs> agenda by making the He's opposite side look. Yes, yes, they've infiltrated. <laughs> 
persuaded the uh, left to make them look dumb. God. No. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> or like the coexist bumper stickers and all that. I mean, come on. Like, are you changing anyone's mind? Like, you know, it's just, it's symbolism. Sure. Bootstraps, uh, sure. the American dream. It can be, it can be achieved, but there's more nuance, just like there's more nuance to everything. And that's why, like, I like George Carlin's line where he's like, you know, I'll keep, uh, I'll leave symbolism to the symbol minded, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a, a good saying because yeah, symbolism, I used to be all about it, but it's so crazy. Like, you know, where, you know, whether you want to prove that you're a patriot, you wear a lapel pin that has the American flag, but on behind it, it says made in China. Like it's this ironic, weird, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. We've always been about, you know, platitudes and all that, but that's how you unite people in groups. And that's how you kind of get them to disregard any sort of thought because you just have these platitudes. And it's like, and the crazy part is that the people that are uh, manifesting these platitudes aren't necessarily living that existence. No, so it's like, well, no, hold themselves not. up by the bootstraps. And it's like, well, you're, you're desolate. Like you're destitute. What are you talking about? And it's like, well, it's the American and it, it it's a weird, it, but it's nice though. It is kind of a, I think it's great that we have, you know, an American mindset that anything is possible and we can achieve anything. But I think when, when you see someone suffering and then you just have someone say, oh, they just didn't work hard but enough. That, it's yeah, like, I was going to say that creates now. that excuse. I mean, on the yeah. one hand, it's nice. But yeah. on the other hand, it says, well, you should be able to do anything here and you're not. So therefore, you must just be lazy. And it doesn't allow... Yeah for the statistics to come into play, like you can't predict what one person's going to do. But when you look at the law of large numbers, I've been watching a lot yep. of Ozark lately. Um, I watched, I just watched that too. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? The funny, did you look that up too, you nerd? No, the law of large numbers. I already have known it from statistics. I took like six stats I, class I, through, through college and I TA'd a few of them as well. So. I don't remember any statistics. I, I, I think, I got an A in the class or the high, I think I might actually got the highest grade in that class and set the curve, but I don't remember anything for statistics, but that's how that's been my education, at least in my undergrad. Like I would just work to pass, like yeah. just memorize stuff. And I'm I mean, so in- I would say that's a lot of college kids experiences. That, <sighs> I wish I didn't do that. I wish I would have really tried to, Look, you know, learn it and apply it. I think that should be saved and and tabled for a whole other podcast because I could talk about our education system and how it works that way and why it works that way for hours on end and not get bored. Um, But uh, um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the law of large numbers, like you can't, you don't know what one person's going to do, but you know what a lot of people are going to do given a certain variable. You put them in a certain situation and you know what they're going to do. I mean, anyone could have predicted the type of panic that would occur given this certain situation. If you would have said last year, hey, there's going to be, you know, this slow building virus and blah, 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 but all of a sudden it's just going to hit everybody. What are they going to do next? And you would have said, and most people would have said, they're probably going to start going to the fucking store and buy, maybe you couldn't have predicted the toilet paper, but the water and the the hand sanitizer and all that other shit, um, you could have predicted that. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, that you really downplay the environment's ability to um, predict. And, and let me just sell some people here if you don't agree right on the face value um, with with that claim that environment dictates what we do. Um, I would say that uh, if someone were to knock on my door right now, what would I do? If my phone were to start vibrating or ringing right now, what would I do? And it's not that you could exactly predict what I'm going to do, but if you took 100 people, you could say most of them would go answer the door or look at their phone. I might not look at my phone, or you might say, well, you're going to look at it or silence it, and that's fine, but I'm not going to answer it. We're in the middle of a podcast here. Yeah. Right. And so behavior becomes very predictable. And if you want to change someone's behavior, if you want to make something happen, you put them under a certain uh, circumstance. You knock on their door, you call their phone. Okay. Well, that's getting them to answer a phone or answer a door. Um, But, you know, the environment, you put a red light in front of me while I'm driving a car, I'm going to stop my car. 
These are very simple explanations for how we act and behave in very simple circumstances, but the same exact laws and ideas and principles apply to very complex behavior as well. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson in his book um, Astrophysics for the Person in a Hurry, which I have not finished yet, but in some of the early on pages, talks about the laws of the universe and, and says that, look, what goes up must come down here, and that happens on the moon as well. Um, and and so we've got all these laws of thermodynamics and this and that. And while it might look like from the outsider that they're not able to explain everything, you take something as complex as a weather pattern in a hurricane, and these things are seemingly unpredictable. Um, but he says, we have no reason to assume that there are different laws governing these types of things that are happening in the physical universe, um, we should assume that the exact same laws govern them, but that they're just more complicated and there's more variables going into them. And that's exactly what I would say about human behavior is it's just as predictable as me stopping my car at a red light or answering my phone when it rings or silencing it because I'm in class or in a podcast. But now put me in a complicated situation where you say, well, that doesn't account for it. And you shouldn't just assume that there's now new principles governing these things. It's still the environment. There's just more variables. And so it becomes seemingly unpredictable. But if we could know all these variables, it would become much more predictable. Now, to get back to what you were saying is that you were more just a, a product of um, your environment when you were younger and you were just kind of thinking and um, saying and doing all these things that you were you were taught to say and do that you weren't really thinking at all. Um, and uh, I mean, I would agree with that. I, I think that even to some extent today, I'm still that way. And it's just something that you continually challenge yourself to break free of and that you have found a reason to do that because it negates all these negative emotions and allows you to live an easier life and a more, um, I don't want to say emotionally neutral life because that sounds very boring, but a life that's just not so chaotic and upsetting all the time and so confusing because you can't possibly understand how someone would fucking vote for Trump, that piece of shit. No, you can understand it because you can take their point of view. You can listen to other people's points of view. Um, What I want to get back to, though, is is, uh, so, you know, you talked about that... um, It was a representative from the House, I believe, uh, voting against the coronavirus or the COVID-19 stimulus package um, and and people presenting information on them. And uh, you said maybe not necessarily being biased, but focusing um, on just what they think is important. And side note, isn't that what we all do in arguments? We focus on the things that we find more important or maybe the things that we think might win our argument um oh yeah but so the question is how do we find then journalism that presents all of the information but would there would there be any i mean i don't know if there'd be any money in that but i've had the idea i mean because honestly if you did just have a website that just provided information i guess it'd almost be just like you know a wikipedia type of thing uh you know that even that i mean isn't always so uh, sorry you're saying there isn't anything out there like that currently well i don't know if there'd be a market for it. i mean you look at what all of the major news agencies are doing they're basically merging consolidating and they're cutting staff and they're hiring freelancers and they want the clickbait they want the clicks they want to sell ads and it's not so much about the uh news anymore it's just more of like sensationalism and because everyone's doing it, no one is taking the time to say, you know what, what we're doing, I think, is, is wrong. But who knows? If you did have a website that was just information, they're just telling you, like, this is how it is, then maybe no one would even look at it. Hmm. So even if you were doing the right thing and doing a good thing, you wouldn't reach anyone because no one would care. So maybe you'd be doing a disservice. So maybe it's almost better to kind of hide in the clickbait stuff, but try, you know, maybe have the clickbait headline, but just really work your ass off to try and provide information below that. So you're, you're making your boss happy by getting the click, but when the readers read it, there's a lot of information. But I thought that, I mean, there'd be like copyright issues and all that kind of stuff. But I just thought like, why can't there just be like, uh, robot news or whatever and there's just like, <laughs> like literally just a, a, a web crawler that just crawls all the various news sources 
Uh, it does it on a daily by second basis and it just builds a timeline and it takes all of the information in aggregate and it looks at, okay, well, this is said throughout all of the platforms. So therefore we can put this down as a fact. Well, and then you build a timeline profile of basically fact, 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 and you can kind of build a news story off of that. And with AI, maybe you could actually, you know, build an article, but. Okay, that you know. that's an interesting idea. I guess just what I was thinking as you were talking about that is that, um, I mean, if you didn't have someone choosing what information is important, then you're just having someone witness all of the events that took place, right? Um, mm. Like a summary itself is someone deciding that this information is more important than the other information. Like if yeah. you were to just have a robot report on Trump's speech earlier today, I don't think there was one. I'm just making something up. It would include how many birds flew by in the background and the color of his tie and um, whether or not his comb over uh, was blowing in the wind or um, yeah. if he, you know, bl how many times he blinked, all of that information would be included. So I think... I mean, I well, it it could be. It it may not be though. I mean, what happens? I mean, like, cause I see what you're saying. Basically, that oh, what happens if they're all saying that kind of stuff? But let's say that the algorithm is actually smart enough to decipher political ideology, and it says, okay, well, um, they're all talking about Trump's comb over on these left leaning media sources. So this is this is a hyperbolic narrative that's being said here. And you don't need to be a human being to realize that. You just know that it's in an echo chamber because it's only occurring on the left. So so rather than that, or allow a vote. Allow the, the viewers to vote. Like is this a hyperbolic thing? So it only you includes know? information that's reported on both sides and omits any information that is not reported from both sides. Yeah, and it wouldn't be perfect. It I wonder how much you would be left with. I mean, look, that's what period. you're saying. You, <laughs> what was that? Nothing. A period. A period. <laughs> the in, but, and for, or either, neither. Yeah, America. Period. Conjunctions. President. Um, yeah, I mean that that sounds interesting, and it sounds like that's an approach. Like that's your approach to consuming the news these days. Um, yeah. Even comments. I read comment threads and I see all kinds of crazy shit and I don't get mad whatsoever. I mean, there's some stuff that like with the COVID thing that like kind of got me today because I can see Twitter through my news aggregate, even though I don't have social media accounts. But uh, a lot of it is just, I mean, <laughs> it's just... Uh, it just it, it is kind of amusing to watch, but I because I'm not as uptight as I used to be about all that. Look, you know, I I think that if I think you said it earlier that there's not like a market for that, like there's no money to mm -hmm. be made off of that. Uh, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. All I think is that. Um, regardless, if you can find a market for that or not, the goal seems to be we need to um, figure out a way to train people or show people that that is what's in their best interest as opposed to just finding something to confirm their current point of view. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you yeah. have to sell them on the idea of having the real story is, is going to be beneficial for you. You have to sell them the, on the idea that, that look, I started getting both sides of the story, and while it doesn't maybe change much what I'm doing on a day to day basis, like my life is easier. It's so much less emotionally charged. I I can navigate situations without getting frustrated by not understanding why someone would do that. That's what needs to be sold. If you can get people to start buying that, if you can get them to value that, if you can get them to believe you, then you can. You can present that information. You could have, um, well, I don't, I don't think that's really what you're trying to do. But I mean, you would have people who want to be more neutral now, um, who yeah. want to understand that point of view. I just think that people don't understand why it's important to have somebody else's perspective. I don't think that they think that that does anything for them. And so that seems to be uh, the theme of this 
first podcast or this first episode or this, um, maybe it's not our first one, whatever, but uh, the recurring theme seems to be that there is a benefit to getting outside of your echo chamber. And it's, it's not that you're, you know, you're going to find all these truths that are going to allow you to navigate the world differently on a day-to-day basis by where you shop and what you do in this action, but it will allow you to change your world on a day-to-day basis on the emotions, your, your internal mm-hmm. environment that is continually brought up, the things that piss you off and, you know, someone cuts you off on the freeway and that son of a bitch did that to, to get back at me because I got in front of them or this or that. And it's like, maybe they're just late. Maybe they just got to get off the freeway. Maybe they missed their exit they have, and they yeah. were listening to a podcast. Maybe they were listening to this podcast and weren't paying attention and they've got to get yeah. over because we all fucking do that. We all make mistakes. We all don't pay attention sometimes. And now you start learning to give people the the benefit of the doubt. But the value in that is, is that your days are going to be easier. You're going to be a little bit less stress-free. You're going to understand that. You'll live longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Cause trying to teach someone a lesson on the freeways and it's an absolute impossibility. And I <laughs> used to try and do that all the time. It's not like I still get pissed off. Like when someone just cuts me off and you know, you just see their dream catcher waving back and forth and you're just like, God damn it. Like, what are these people doing? And then you just realize like, who knows maybe they just lost a child or something and they're just beside themselves and they're not paying attention to general life i don't know but they're they're, it's not like they got up in the morning and they're like i know fucking paul sexton is going to be on the 101 freeway at this time (laughs) and it's pissed off i've never met him before but fuck him and just gets on the freeway just to fuck with me but we live our lives as if that's actually happening like i'm standing in one target someone's just trying to personally fuck me over and they don't know me yeah I feel like that would be a fantastic tattoo idea. I'm going to get a tattoo of like one car, like cutting off another on the freeway and the other person like flipping them off, trying to teach them a lesson as a reminder that most of life is like that. Like most of life is opportunities that we see as a, as an opportunity to like change someone's life and trajectory and change their behavior. But really most of our interactions with people where we're getting pissed off or in an argument is just like trying to fucking change somebody's life on the freeway. And once they've cut you off that flipping them off, honking them, it's not going to fucking make a ding in their, in their life. And that long 35, 40, 60 years they have of behaving a certain way. You're, you're one honk, you're one flipping them off, you're one fuck you and trying to get them to pull over or swerving at them or doing whatever. <laughs> Imagine if confession was like that or something, you know? <laughs> like we're just, you're just fucking arguing with the other because it would never work in any, anything important. Like if you're like, like uh, let's say you had to negotiate with a doctor for a life-saving treatment or something like <laughs> You wouldn't approach it by saying, fuck you, give me the goddamn treatment, you <laughs> yeah. asshole. Like, you would just massage you back. Hey, listen, like, you know, I understand your time. It's it's extremely valuable. Like, you spent all this time, all these years. Um, I know that your time is uh, is busy. Your schedule is busy. Like, you don't have a lot of time. But, you know, you just try and massage the situation. I'm trying to figure out, like, or think of a better example in my brain. But you would spend more time. And I think that's what, like, you know, like with Fred Phelps and uh, Jan- was it, I think it's just Jamie Phelps. Or Jennifer Phelps. I'm not sure. She's of the Westboro Baptist Church, but she oh, changed yeah, yeah, over yeah. Uh-huh. time. Yeah, she, it took her a long time to change. And she kind of, I mean, I wasn't extreme like her. I mean, you know, just like, just because I'm not a Fox News viewer doesn't doesn't mean that I think everything on Fox is bad. Just like I don't think everything on MSNBC right. is bad. I just, I watch it and I make up my own mind. I think a lot of it, I just see it as entertainment now. Like, you know, they'll just have a back and forth about like, oh, here's a person to hate today. And then it's uh, it's five minutes of commercials on catheters and reverse mortgages. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's amusing to me now because I'm on the other side of it. But I realize now that it takes a lot of time. Like if you really want to change someone's mind, you have to get into the conversation and you have to truly ask them questions why they think the way that they do. And by asking them questions, they may hear a question that they've never had to answer before. And I'm, that might throw them out of their element and cause them to think in the moment. And they may actually realize like, holy shit, I've hit a, a, a logical wall. Yeah. Like maybe the other person I'm talking to 
maybe I should be thinking about this differently, but you haven't told them how to think. You've just been asking them questions about how they think. And I think that's what some people did with me. It's like, well, why are you so upset about Obama? Well, because he's going to hurt small business and we're going to have an influx of immigrants. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just all this crazy stuff. You know, I never got into any of the hyperbolic, like, you know, Hussein Obama. I never cared about that. I never cared about like, I, I remember people were saying that they thought he was a Muslim. I was like, that's all ridiculous. I never cared about that. I just thought from a political perspective, I thought him as a, that he would be a f- fiscally irresponsible president. And I thought healthcare was not a human right. And I still don't think it's a human right because it requires money. Yeah. Um, there's no right to care if you're just dying out in the middle of, de- of the desert. But I think you have the right to not have someone come up and further your your pain or your suffering sure. or you know what i mean right yeah, yeah, yeah. um it, but but i think if we i mean this is we're not going to get on healthcare but just in general like I, I think that if if we're a nation that's capable of doing it and we're able to do it in a fiscally responsible way i've come to the position now where i think well why not i mean if if we can uh lower preventative costs get more people coming into the hospitals for checkups so we don't have uh, people coming into emergency rooms with catastrophic injuries, um, maybe in the long run that would kind of help. And I, but I, I, I don't know enough about it um, specifically to make a call either way, but I'm just open to the idea. But it just seems like politicians now, it's just like they're not telling you how the plan's going to work. They're right. just telling you how bad of a person you are if you don't go along with their plan. Sure. And that's when I just tune tune out, like with Bernie Sanders. Like, I just want to know how, okay, how much is it going to cost and how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this happen? Because, you know, if, if we go bankrupt in the long term, then, then no one gets health care. Then nobody gets anything. Then it's all for themselves. Then it yeah. turns out kind of like what we're going on with coronavirus right now where uh, we didn't have a lot of information. Then people got information and then it turned into chaos where, you know, people like even here in town, I, I heard that someone tried to steal a Costco truck that had toilet paper in it <laughs> and pulled the guy out of the truck. I'm not joking. Like, it's crazy. People coming in with fist fights. They're taking toilet paper out of the employee I mean, bathroom. It sounds like a risk uh, some people might be willing to take in these times. Well, it, it's just crazy. But it just that's that's what is uh, so revealing, though, is that when these types of things happen, Someone can tell you over and over and over again how good of a person they are, how much they care about America, how they look out for their fellow citizens. And then when you see something like this happen, you get to see who the real person is. They reveal themselves and they always reveal themselves. And that's why today I had to go to CVS because I had to pick up some contact uh, solution. And it was uh, I walk in there, they have a big sign telling everyone of what they're out of because God forbid you have to walk over to the (laughs) shelf. You know, and and look for yourself and see it's not there. And how dare I have to walk up? It's like, fuck off. Like, we're so fucking lazy. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I'm looking for, you know, the antibacterial wipes, the small squares, because like I told you, I test my ketone levels, my blood levels to, to see how I do after certain foods and all that to try. And I'm trying to get kind of a baseline with it. And they were all out of them. So I just got the contact solution. But while I was there, I made sure to tell the lady that was stocking in the aisle. I just want, I was like, hey, listen. You know, there's a lot of heroes that we talk about uh, each and every day. Um, And we talk about, you know, war heroes, medical heroes. But you are a hero in this moment because you're here doing this job. You're making sure that this country is running, you know, and I appreciate you being here. And I made sure that when I was checking out, I also told the clerk there, like, thank you for being here and dealing with all this chaos. And I, I can only imagine how some of the people may have treated you coming in here. But people driven by fear do terrible things and it's not reflective of you as an individual. But I just want to thank you for doing what you do. And they were, you know, they seemed kind of like surprised. But I mean, they were happy by it, but they were just kind of like, well, well, thanks, man. I I really appreciate that. Fucking weirdo. Like, no, (laughs) yeah. I'm like, I've got some candy out in my van. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, uh, I crunched some numbers really quick and uh, I think we should close out on this. Um, If you are uh, speaking with somebody who is 20 years old and you've got one minute to talk with them and interact with them and change their mind, your one minute is one in about 10 and a half million minutes in their life. 
And if somebody is 40 years old who you're speaking to, they've had about 21 million minutes in their life. So your impact has to be so powerful that if it's going to change their trajectory, it has to be more powerful than the other... 20,999,999 minutes of their life, which uh, seems like pretty pretty small odds. Um, But I like, I actually, I like that though. I like, I like that number crunching. I actually really, that would actually work really well in a speech somehow. Like I honestly like really like how that plays out. I mean, it does. It sounds like an extreme uphill battle. Well, it's absurd would anyone to try it? and get frustrated at somebody and change their mind when that is how much life experience they have. And yeah. you are just yeah. that small drop in the pond. I mean, it's got to be fucking significant. If you want to change them, you're going to have to fucking pull a gun on them. Or, yeah, <laughs> or no, it's, it's as opposed to doing that, um, maybe really try and remain very calm and present some very rational information. But you know what? Chances are, if they're a stranger, it's not going to make a difference. Look, you, you don't have a lot of control. And the whole, the whole point of this is to get back to, again, that one thing of, of like, why would you want to find the truth and why would you want to seek the truth? The point is, is that your emotional reactions that you like, that you cling to, aren't going to do anything. So if you can find that truth, if you can seek it out a little bit more, you can get rid of these emotional reactions of people cutting you off on the freeway and flipping them off or being pissed off about something because you're being pissed off and your one minute interaction with them isn't going to do anything. Yeah. All right, Paul. Well, we are over the hour mark and uh, it was great catching up with you on this and we had zero topics planned for this and just dove right back in and... (laughs) Uh, I think highlights the reason that we should be doing this together. Um, that was. I'm down. We we totally should. I'm, I'm absolutely. We we should. We should get into the uh, into education because uh, I actually would really like to hear your thoughts on that, especially since Great. you're um, a teacher. So. Great. Uh, on the next episode, we're talking about education. Tune in and uh, hear what we have to say. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.